Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Just a quick correction to something uh, in the podcast that you're about to hear with Cat Rose, which is very exciting and was a good time. I mentioned Frater Acker's um, book, Holy Diamond, and it turns out you can get it as an ebook for $10. So um, ignore what I said. I was in general more talking about books that you can't get similar to that. So enjoy the podcast with Cat Rose, Discovering Your Personal Diamond. So are you in England? Yes, you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just like uh, about an hour south of London, um, placed by the sea. Whereabouts? Uh, Brighton. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of... I've watched Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I feel like some a lot of Americans know a lot more about the UK than I do. Um, I remember I was visiting a, a friend's family over there and um, they got me into Downton Abbey. And I'd, I'd never watched it before. I was like, oh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> You'd never seen Downton Abbey, but uh, no, I mean, I didn't interest me until yeah, I was no, by people from the outside, outside world. That's funny that uh, that Americans would be uh, more into it than uh, Brits. But um, <laughs> cool, yeah. I, I actually have uh, some suitcases in uh, Rochester that I left there the other year. Okay, I just yeah. had too much stuff, <laughs> so I just uh, left it at my buddy's place. Rochester's sort of that neck of the woods, isn't it? Near Brighton, that area, sort of. It, the embarrassing thing is, as small as England is, I actually don't know quite where that is. So, oh, that, really? I've heard of it, of course, it's, but because um, it's yeah, so it east, south, I guess. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're oh, and you're southwest. Or south. uh, I'm, I'm southeast, actually. Southeast, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I was doing um, some guest uh, lectures at the University of Kent. Yes, yeah, Kent. of course. Yeah, 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 of yeah course. really. Really nice place, Canterbury. I hadn't been there before. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like the castle walls or some kind of city walls there. They're quite nice. Yeah, yeah. The, and the cathedral and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to um, Magic Without Fears, the podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how did you hear about me? Um, was, uh, uh, yeah. They seem... Uh, I listen to so many different podcasts that I end up kind of forgetting how I found them in the first place. So I, I wish I had a good story for that. But um, I just, I just really loved the, the title. I thought because um, that's it's like a reference to Crowley. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess it sort of is. See, I still have my headset plugged into my computer, even, and I'm wearing it as if it's you know plugged into you, but it's not. So let me just do that. There we go. That may, my voice might turn out better on the recording since I'm doing this on my phone because my computer just keeps crashing. I, t- I restarted it, it crashed again. Yeah, it's sort of a Crowley reference, I guess, isn't it? Um, that's the idea. That was sort of the idea. I didn't really like the name, but but it seemed it felt right for some reason, and I mm-hmm. couldn't find it ha- having been used much elsewhere. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, hell, it was the beginning of the pandemic is when I started it. Um, oh, only that recently. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, it had, I had had podcasts before, but they kept, uh, like locking me out of them. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, I find, uh, sometimes companies just sort of lock you out of things, especially occult stuff. They just decide mm-hmm. to like, 
you know, which is frustrating though, because it means they keep getting revenue from your content, but you can't even remove it. Yeah. 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 I have several podcasts up, up online that are still like that and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just keep, you can't publish to that, that RSS feed is kind of like. No, they, 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 they just blocked me and decided that they weren't mine anymore. Uh, yeah, it's it's an odd thing. I know you think uh, you think that that wouldn't be possible, but but uh, but it is. Yeah, the power to so, be the cancelling. Well, powers. I think there's a lot of power to to sort of ignorance. Like they just sort of act like they don't know what they're talking about or what's going on. Like, wait, what? Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Well, sorry, goodbye. And you get if you really pursue it, you just get keep hitting more and more uh, walls of confusion and lack of clarity and you have to repeat yourself over and over. And, and that's sort of, I think the new, um, the new totalitarianism is really just incompetence. Yeah. Right. Right. It's the, the grinding us down through incompetence. That's the biggest. Yeah. One. There's no evil masterminds or plot. It's just incompetence. Just people have had enough. We're done. Yeah. That's it. Have you, have you explored any of those other like platforms, things like Odyssey and other ones? Odyssey, no. Um, I've heard of that, and I know the the Canadian company is uh, the, is big. Um, Rumble. Okay, um, that's that that's pretty big um, and growing. But no, you know, um, I I tend to uh, just. Uh, I guess I generally find I don't have too much time to. To master all of that stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, you have a you have a a book coming out, so you must be concerned with uh, presenting things across all those platforms. But it's it's a delicate balance I find between doing that stuff and not letting your attention be drawn out of the research and writing and and all of that, like the real creative work, completely. Yeah. Um, and and I've spent yeah. a lot of time because I've been like for freelance for about. 10 just under 10 years and then I've had a podcast since 2016 um in in like yeah it was it's kind of mutated over the years but I've spent far too much time in the past fretting about different platforms and how to best get stuff out there and at the the more I've seemed to in the last like couple of years just focus on doing good work actually the the better the work is and, and the right people find it and I think that's more important to me the right people finding this stuff so yeah, well, that is that's the that's the the true essence of what marketing should be, right? Mm. That's the idea of 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 if you're if you're a really good marketer, it doesn't mean you can sell ice to an Eskimo. It means you help people get what they actually want. The and, people who are actually and, looking for ice actually find you. Well, well yeah, um, it was something I heard a, a long time ago when I was uh, first in a band, and and it was it was another older musician talking about congruency. And it really, it clicked with me in a big way. And I'm glad that I heard that because at first, you know, when you're in a band, you're just trying to get attention however you can. But then I realized, you know, the more authentically we represent where we're actually at and what we're actually doing, the more we'll attract people that actually are interested in what we really want to do rather than our, who are just uh, drawn in by the big flashy sign that says, um, you know, something yeah, dramatic for free drinks if you come <laughs> yeah well it's interesting you kind of that we got onto this because it does make me think of the diamond and how um that it's it's not just the the workings of you know good marketing it's 
something happens when we when we do work that feels authentic to us and that we know is our best most true work um and i think that's something a little bit more like magical and for me that's the diamond but yeah let's talk about that that's that's it's very cool that you're um you're you're on to that subject how did you get into that um i think it it, it was probably a podcast that i'd listened to a, a couple about two three years ago um which was on the an astrological technique uh that is meant to find basically the strongest planet in your chart and one of the things that the hosts um at the start were saying was that um a neoplatonist porphyry said that this could be used as a technique to locate the um personal diamond in a birth chart and there mm. was some disagreement about this and this is something that i've been kind of like losing sleep over it's like yeah but iamblichus didn't think you could use astrology to find the personal diamond and having to kind of grapple with that myself um but astrology basically was my way into looking into the diamond um i read a really wonderful book called the diamond in hellenistic astrology which i do recommend but it's a it's a tome and it's very academic and um technical and for me it's 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 kind of easy to get into the diamond from that um left brain approach and and do the kind of which astrology can be it can be very all right let me just like run the numbers and boom you have the planet now now go and deal with it for me it was it was then a case of okay i've done that kind of the heady research about the diamond now how do i live with the diamond and that process is kind of what I was trying to figure out while simultaneously trying to write the book about it. Yeah, so is your background in astrology or uh, classics or it sounds like you're mixing the two quite a bit. Um, yeah. I no, and I have no, I have no formal training in either of those things. No, I, I have, I astrology. I found um, again, not that recently. So um, sorry, not that long ago. It was pretty recently about three years ago. Um, my background was, more in like pop psychology being interested in like personality typing tests um learning about um the myers-briggs test this is like several years ago and getting a lot of benefit just personally from understanding these these terms um yeah kind of you know lenses to see ourselves basically i was pretty skeptical about astrology um and i kind of accidentally borrowed a book from the library which had a bit of astrology in it, had a conversation with one of my most skeptical friends. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. I mean, astrology, hey, like how crazy is that? Do people really believe this stuff? And she was like, yeah, but you know that your Myers-Briggs stuff isn't scientific really either. And I was like, yeah. oh, so, but instead of being put off the Myers-Briggs thing, I was like, well, if that's useful and that's was- not scientific. Then maybe it was astrology. such a horrible day. I was so sad the day I found out that it was all a bunch of BS. Yeah. I'm a proud INTJ and my uh, and the write-up they the INTJ write-up describes me to a T. <laughs> I used I just I actually I, I actually uh blue tacked one of my 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 old rehearsal room wall in in our place for the band house because I was like, look, people may as well just know what they're dealing getting into right now. I was like, that's so accurate to me. Just yeah. I seriously would rather people read that before they talk to me. <laughs> like <laughs> Okay. Nice and, and to so, meet you. Here's a piece of paper. <laughs> and and it's short, um, which which then <laughs> helps people because especially like 
for other people who already know that language. And this is very similar to astrology on a very um, superficial level. Astrology can be that. It can be a way for us to kind of shorthand a lot of the stuff about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And discuss it with each other. So anyway, sure. with that. For sure. That, I actually like, like that idea that you just said of, of astrology playing a role in, in our in our sort of lives as a potential for a shorthand yeah descriptors right like you know often when someone says well i'm a this or a that they often know that they're not reduced to that single quality but they're trying to tell you something by saying that right then and there right and we should listen for that rather than just uh think they're being uh, flakes yeah yeah no completely um so yeah th- that i i was getting into astrology from that perspective very personality driven um, and then I found the more traditional side of things and realized that, okay, this isn't just a personality typing tool. It can be used to predict things. It can be used to help me understand my past. Um, and similarly, like the daimon for me um, is kind of like inextricable from my understanding of astrology. Um, and it's helped me kind of grapple with some of those questions of astrology, which, you know, w- what does it mean? to have everything predestined and and how much does free will play into that what what it, what would be what would free will even be if if it's real then what is it and um and this is exactly what the the, the ancient people who were talking about the diamond and um working with astrology you know nearly 2000 years ago that's exactly the kind of questions that they were asking as well um so what have you uh, discovered in your research about about uh, the astrological connection with the diamond or yeah how, well, yeah so the the only me. kind of like um from a very okay so you probably know that there are houses in astrology and yeah the 12 houses all relate to different life areas or topics mhm yeah yeah my um, mom's uh, an astrologer actually uh, has been her yeah. whole life and uh, I, I used to teach it in the Golden Dawn, so I'm fairly familiar, but not a, not by any means an expert or a master of any kind. Just uh, just know what I need to know. So yes, yes, yeah, I have that common language, though. You you can assume that I know all the terms and everything and significances. Okay. And, yeah. and just in case some people in your audience might, yeah, you know, not not be yeah, ex- do explain for them for sure. Yeah, and um, so there was um, in ancient in traditional um, like. Hellenistic astrology, the, the different houses had, had names. So the first house is called the helm. Um, the fifth house was the house of good fortune. Well, the 11th house was the house of good diamond or good spirit. Um, those names, spirit and diamond, could be used interchangeably. And the 12th house was the house of bad diamond or bad spirit. Um, and, and that, I already knew that kind of before I really did a lot of research into the diamond. But when I was being taught it, it was kind of like, well, the 11th house, it's about groups and benefactors and people who like lift you up in the world. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like somebody who puts in a good word for you, um, uh, to the boss and, and you get a promotion. That's the 11th house and 12th house experiences are like the dark nights of the soul, the, the unconscious material that, you know, we self-sabotage ourselves. But I hadn't really ever thought, all right, what, what, what is that spirit? What is that diamond that these refer to? Now, while I don't think that these describe, you know, very specifically our personal diamonds, I do think that those houses can really speak to experiences and encounters that we have with people that are diamonic in nature. 
And what I mean by that is that those kind of experiences that we have, um, like let's say we have an 11th house transit, something happens, we meet somebody who um, just, just really helps us out in some way. I think those experiences are the things that kind of push us or like guide us onto what I'm calling like our path or our destiny. And 12th house experiences, I think, do the same thing. They just do it in a less pleasing way and a way that we might feel is subjectively very difficult. So that would be one lens to see at least daimonic experiences as in destiny related experiences in our birth charts. Does that make sense? yeah, and so the, it's the helm the twelfth house is called in Hellenistic oh, that was the, astrology. That was the first, first house. House. Yeah. first house. What's the twelfth house called in there? That was Hellenistic the house of bad diamond. Bad diamond. Bad, really. Diamond. Malas diamond. Really. Huh. Well, yeah, what and it's is a- the the diamond in in sort of Western terms. Are we talking about something similar to the nativity angel? Or, um, or how are you using it in terms that might be understandable to someone in the Western mystery tradition or, or Western spirituality who doesn't know Greek? And yeah, that's, that's a good point. And this is where, um, you know, I spend about half the book trying to figure that out. And oh, yeah. Okay. There, there are just because there are lots of different ways you can see it. And like for me, I grew up, um, I was raised Catholic and I was told that I had a uh, holy guardian angel watching over me and protecting me and in some ways that has been a likening to the daimon um i personally don't see the daimon per se as a like totally angelic or protective force i think it's much more um it's much more aligned with destiny and in fact like literally just the other day i was reading a copy of um plato's republic where he talks about um, the diamond gets mentioned basically at the end of the Republic in the story, the myth of Ur. And it's basically a story of a man who um, died on a battlefield, goes and sees kind of the inner workings or, uh, of like the heavens and how all the souls choose their lives um, before kind of going back down to earth or going to earth for the first time. And they also get assigned a diamond. And I'd heard this story and I reference it in the book I hadn't seen this particular copy, this particular translation of the Republic. And in it, the um, translator takes daimon, which it would have been written because daimon's a Greek word, and replaces it with the word destiny. And I was like flicking through it. I was like, why is it? Why? I can't see the word daimon. Oh my God, he's actually just replaced daimon with destiny. And that's crazy because that's kind of the, the big point I'm trying to make in the book, which is overall, we could just use daimon and destiny. It's, it's the same thing. It's just that the diamond is a helpful way for us to kind of paint a face on our destiny and actually have a kind of personal relationship with it. So, yeah, but, but I say that destiny can feel very impersonal and we can get it confused with the kind of crap that happens to us. And and that doesn't always feel very good, but um, I actually do find it quite helpful to like fully personify that. And my diamond is like a Fox headed fawn type being. So you know, hopefully that that messy description gives you some ideas of what I'm trying to play with when I think about the diamond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was, of course, a, a word uh, Yeats famously used in his magical motto, WB Yeats. Everyone loves him, right? Love, yeah, um, yeah, good. Um, of course, back then, uh, 
their Greek wasn't as good as ours, obviously. <laughs> not that ours is, uh, mine's not very good. But uh, so he was, uh, he, he was, uh, his nickname was Demon because uh, they didn't really, uh, yeah, he, he could, he misspelled it, I guess you could say a little as Damon doing the AE spelling, which I think that's, can, that's just a Romanized way. It's a Romanized, yeah. Um, so their Greek wasn't as good. They were better at Latin, right? And, uh, and that became Demon. And then he was just nicknamed Demon, which led to, in our century, uh, really people uh, thinking that his motto was Demon. Asteus and versus the devil is uh, well, it, which it, no, sorry, I'm confused. That's what his motto was: demon, Asteus, and versus. I, I flipped it around in my head. People thought he meant diamond, but he didn't. Yeah, he meant really the devil. Yeah, yeah, that's sorry, that's it. It's still um, early for me here over in Canada. Sorry, forgive no, me no, as I drink my coffee and. I'm just glad you were up there because <laughs> that was actually one of the things that um, really delighted me because I'd, I'd read like a um, biography of Yates a while ago. Um, and I read about this this character Leo Africanus, which was basically, as I understand, like Yates's understanding of the diamond or his. I, yeah, he plays with that a lot, um, especially was, in in the vision theory and and all of that. And uh, yeah, and I, I did. I want to say that because because that was an interesting thing. Because I think Leo Africanus was like a historical character, um, and I think I left it out of this the book but part of my research was you know could your diamond show up as like a figure from history and I, I just think that's an interesting thing to play with and, and Yates was sort of one of my examples of that um but I think later he I mean Yates is a great person to to explore for, for trying to wrap your head around the diamond if you're you know, ready to kind of go into his world um mm. yeah, the, yeah that was something that I, I haven't gone too deep into in the book but I do mention him a little bit yeah also he was uh a gemini so that makes uh that makes it extra fun you know yeah. trying to figure out what he actually meant um yeah i yeah. Uh, my best friend growing up was gemini and i was also once upon a time married to a gemini and uh i learned quite intimately that um what they actually believe can be quite different yeah. from mm -hmm. what i mean when i say i actually believe something as an aquarius yeah. gemini's a bit more mutable just a little yes. bit just a little as, bit. As, as proof by the fact that I'm no longer married. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Blame it on the Gemini. Yeah. Poor Gemini. Um, they get such a bad rap. <laughs> they, they totally do, and they deserve it. <laughs> What's your sign? I'm a Cancer rising, um, uh, Sun and Aries, Moon and Sag. Oh, lovely. I have my Moon and Sag. That's a, that's a fun one, that's, right? That's why you've got issues with Gemini. <laughs> is it is it well no i just i think and it's in funny, the second house too i think where gemini is really easy to like play with ideas sad especially sad moon we can get quite upset when like people aren't taking an idea seriously enough um but i don't know it's still a musical moon so i'm in touch with with what you just described there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so Yates, um, yeah, Yates wasn't, it was, it was mistaken as diamond, but it was actually demon. He meant it that way because it was from a Blavatsky thing and a line that was very popular at the time. But the, the idea of the diamond in today, in, in a, it, well, it's the words coming back, which is interesting to see the word coming back. People are, are replacing it for a couple different things. People are using it to replace for familiar spirits and spiritual mm -hmm. guides. Yep. And people are using it to replace for 
um, angels and also even, of course, actual demons. If you get into this, so what some of the goetic magicians are up to and, you know, calling different things diamonds, because there are a lot of diamonds. I mean, what I was told in, I think, early high school or college was that that everything had a diamond in an animistic sense. And there was a diamond for the salt shaker and a diamond for the, all these things. And I don't know if that was true, but that was what we were told. But um, mostly I'm more familiar with the role of the, the uh, diamond as a kind of a stand in for the Holy guardian angel or the Holy angel that often gets in or these days there's a debate in about the confusion between that and the nativity angel and it sounds like the nativity angel is something that's tied to astrology and the holy angel is something that transcends astrology in the context of the western mystery tradition um yeah what do you think about all that 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 was something that i've kind of had to grapple with more recently myself i when i was researching the book and this is the astrology piece is very much based on, um, like I said, Dorian Greenbaum's book, The Diamond and Hellenistic Astrology. But while I think that's a fantastic book from the astrological perspective, and also um, she has a great understanding of um, like the Neoplatonists and what they were saying, it it's not like she goes really deep into like theurgy and really goes into what Iamblichus was trying to say. And as far as I know, um, and certainly not into what um, like Agrippa was saying, later in history so that idea of the nativity angel versus like the the personal guardian diamond who's kind of like maybe on a higher level that isn't addressed in the book so i only came across those concepts like really recently i was talking to jeffrey kufferman who wrote living theurgy and i was like oh i kind of need to like rethink some things i'm i'm not willing at the moment to see a real difference between this nativity diamond like the one that's connected to my birth chart and my personal diamond to me it's like it's all the same um i'd say it would still be a personal diamond right yeah um but this idea that you couldn't possibly know the personal diamond through looking at your birth chart i'm the way i see it our birth chart is is descriptive of let's say it's descriptive of, of our soul's path well even if it's not and I'm not saying that you can take one planet and like that is your diamond. Like no one, like my diamond isn't Mars. It's not Saturn. It's not Jupiter. Um, but let's say there's a strongest planet in our chart that could, I don't know, somehow encompass the overall, you know, essence of the path that our soul is meant to be on. Well, surely that is the of the diamond. The diamond is most concerned with that. That's the diamond's job. So I don't know. This is, I end up just tying my, my brain and knots basically when I get into that stuff um ultimately the point of the book was to explore the concept of the diamond and if somebody wants to say the diamond is like my like a witch's familiar I'm 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 down with that like that's that's totally fine I think if you look really hard at the diamond it does defy being pinned down to one definition um it's an it's a kind of a liminal being it's not good it's not evil it's you know it's not this or not it's not that and i'm happy with it being that mutable i guess um that's probably like really unsatisfying to a lot of people it's like yeah but come on let's just just let's define it let's have one definition um 
<clears throat> no, I'm no, I'm with you. I'm, I, I, I dig, I dig the exploration and and sort of the ideas. I mean, everything between the different theories there there are out there of diamonds and spirits and angels and guardian angels and the two D angels and spirit guides. Like it's all very, very interesting. All the theory is very interesting. And I mean, in general, I've always felt that theory is meant to help us with our lives in practice and living. Right. So, if it does wonderful if it doesn't then you know move on and you know i had a, my mom took me to a psychic when i was 13 or took me to many psychics when i was a kid but but one in particular got me in touch with a couple spirits that that were very it was they were it was a profound experience and uh and i worked with them for years but i one of them was clearly sort of angelic um you know definitely yeah, you know the old old testament biblical angel mm-hmm. type character maybe um and uh really did a lot with of work with that spirit throughout high school got me through some rough times in mm-hmm. grade nine ten that sort of thing and uh or eight nine ten and um the other spirit was definitely more part of myself and i could tell that that was mm-hmm. what was very interesting so this psychic who was quite a famous one to the stars and all that noise um but she was good and you have to be good otherwise you know people aren't going to keep paying you crazy money right like real let's face it there has to be some results otherwise they are nuts um and so she was good she was really really good um um in fact i wish i still had the cassette tape she recorded from the mm-hmm. sessions because i'd like to everything i thought that would never be true that she said turned out to come came true including me making masks of all things, which I, when she said, I'm like, Oh, well, all psychics, not all psychics can be that perfect. Right. You yeah. know, I'm ne- it's like, well, as a kid, I was like, woman, I'm never making masks. Trust me. I think that's the <laughs> stupidest thing. thing. You can- yeah. She's like, I see you making a lot of masks. Then all of a sudden in grade 11, I decided that the school wasn't putting on enough plays. So I gathered all the cool kids together after class, gave them some scripts. We started rehearsing plays that I was directing and producing with my buddy. And they were all a bunch of Yates plays. And so right before we went into stage production, next thing I knew, I realized, and I remembered that what she said, but I hadn't remembered it till then when I was sitting there putting plaster of Paris on someone's face and making like mm-hmm. 10 masks. Cause Yates has masks in most yes. of his plays. And I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. And I was getting really into it, but I had forgotten what she even said. Did she plant that in me and 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 cause it to happen? I don't think so. I don't mm-hmm. think that her saying that um, somehow planted the seed that led to me, therefore, making masks one day. I think she saw me making masks, a lot mm-hmm. of masks. She had a glimpse that I was like, oh, for some reason, you're going to make a bunch of masks. And I've been obsessed with making masks ever since. For They're using Golden Dawn rituals. They're used in Yates plays. And mm-hmm. hey, who doesn't enjoy Halloween? Exactly, exactly. And it does make you ask the questions like um, the problem with time, because time is the thing that's kind of making this um, so much more of a mystery. So when somebody's getting like a snapshot of you making masks, that that actually does make sense in the grand sense of like scheme of things. But because we've, we're dealing with this annoying concept of time, um, it seems like a big mystery to us from our from our perspective. Um, so, so similarly, like when I'm thinking about the diamond, I really am thinking very much about, again, coming back to this concept of destiny, the fact that 
you you were always meant to be making those masks and who knows like maybe they'll continue to be a mask story you know throughout your life and um so this is why like just one of the concepts of the diamond that isn't that helpful for me is when I think about it as just a purely protective force so even though I love the concept of the kind of protective spirit like I, I had when I was a kid I, th I think we have that. I do think, like, I have a guardian angel. I don't think that's my daimon, though. You know, I, I don't think that the daimon is that interested in protecting me. It's interested in getting me to fulfill my destiny. Um, so as I, as I said that, I felt like I sound like, a, do I sound a bit crazy? Is that like, <laughs> you know, and you just have these moments. And mm, No, I think, I think, uh, I think that puts you even in, in more in the sort of uh, the occult sphere um, and in good company with the magicians who, um are approaching the holy guardian angel and 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 guardian angel spirits from a non judeo christian perspective mm -hmm. which more and more people want to be able to uh, do that they want to be able to um connect with spirits and or their different layers of their selves higher selves um higher souls without being burdened by that language. Cause so many get burdened down by either Christian or Kabbalistic language in our mm -hmm. culture. And a lot of people just have had enough of that. I was raised in a Maharishi Hindu meditating family. Oh, so when I discovered Christianity in my teens, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to do yeah, this. <laughs> screw that, screw that, that yogic noise that I had grown up with. That's I was, old news. <laughs> I was bored of the Bhagavad Gita and mandatory meditation times twice a day. I thought Christianity was a, a very cool. You know, I watched the last temptation with, with, uh, what's with, uh, what's his name? Not Mel Gibson. No, 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 no. No, that one, the church, like the last temptation of oh, Christ, right. they blacklisted um, Willem uh, Dafoe and okay. Harvey, Harvey Keitel as Judas. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like these uh, yanks as uh, it was great. I really, I thought it was an amazing thing. And I was going through uh, certain things in, in the Golden Dawn at the time that really lined up with, with that sort of transformative experience. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was good. So. I'm comfortable with that language now, but a lot of people aren't. And that's why I'm very interested in the, the diamond stuff coming out. Um, and it's, it's being embraced by sort of right and left hand path people. I mean, you'll see it being embra as embraced by sort of hermetic Christians and uh, like me and also pagans, but then you also have like hardcore left hand path people and Satanists who are also embracing it. And uh, so if the language allows people to, maybe achieve their destinies then who are, who are, who's anyone to get in the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want it to be this kind of, Oh, the diamond told me to do it. So, you know, it's this, it's an, an excuse to do certain things, but I've kind of always thought about that problem that we run into as soon as we, um, I don't know, start naming something or, um, like diagnosing something, Would you, for example, even with the, let's say the INTJ thing. So we both identify as INTJs. Well, that can be an excuse for me to like, just like not talk to people and not, not, okay. I don't do small talk. So, you know, and, and that's not always helpful in different situations in life. So, well, I don't want to make anything an excuse for bad behavior. Um, I do think the diamond is 
generally a very helpful concept. It's certainly been helpful for me anyway, um, especially when it comes to just like, yeah, grappling with that big question of like, why am I doing this? Is this just a random, you know, even even the study of astrology and, and looking at our, our birth charts, it can feel like a bit of a, okay, I just happen to be born at this time. Where's the meaning in that? Somehow, the more I've dug into the diamond stuff and what the, again, like the, the ancient, um, like I'm going to say Greeks, but, you know, Hellenistic peoples were kind of talking about, um, I think it brings back the meaning into, into that idea of predestiny. And now a word from our sponsors. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I like the idea that we have something we're meant to accomplish in this life and uh, that there is a, I think it's a healthy idea. It's a healthy thing for people to sort of take that kind of responsibility and feel encouraged to take responsibility for their own lives. At the same time, it's a fascinating conundrum when I think of the problems of this world and and the challenge, the way in which a lot of people lose any sense of meaning, hope, direction, and purpose, which to me seems more common actually than people who have found their meaning and purpose. I don't know if you agree with that. I don't want to sound like a pessimist because I'm not really, I'm quite optimistic, um, maybe even naive sometimes, um, as my friends like to remind me. But <clears throat> I don't know, I just maybe, and maybe it is because of that, that sense of having a reason for being here and having had it so young, whether I liked it or not, you know, um, that Wait. search for meaning in people's lives, I think is super important. And it's definitely one of the major motivating factors in my life to help because you can recognize places you've been at, right? You can mm -hmm. see it. And if you've been at wayward places, but you've had something that was able to carry you through them, then the gratitude that comes with that survival is something I, it's hard not to feel wanting to share that projected outward um, projection being the final stage of the alchemical process, of course, and that sharing that sort of Rosicrucian ethos of sharing what you've learned with someone else. So it can help them too. And, uh, and that's a big thing. Yeah. And especially, especially those times. And, and this is what I think is so magical about the 12th, place uh, 12th house in astrology is because often it it can describe those things which when we're in them it's it's like the worst possible thing but afterwards and like you said if 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 you get through them then um what you're left with is i i guess a much stronger sense of like who you are and um what you're here for and that it doesn't it's i don't think it's as simple as saying um it's a certain job or like you have to like save this kind of person or do this certain thing. I do think that destiny is broader than that. But um, yeah, it, it can be hard to kind of shake that idea that we actually have to be doing something um, 
as our like jobs that feels like destiny I, I don't think that's what it is yeah um, I've noticed in my life's dharma that the spirits um the sense of what I'm meant to do with my life um while it can manifest through various forms in the world if I don't do it in a in a responsible and healthy way the spirits or my higher self or whatever you like finds a way for something just as good to come about right like no matter how painful it is for me um so if i make a decision that takes me here or there and something else needs to happen well tough luck i'm gonna you know there's gonna be some growing pains uh is the nicest way to put it though sometimes it, you know calling it life-shattering trauma is another way yeah it's and it's like if you didn't get the message the nice way the first time they they left you the message gave you the nudge yeah you're just going to get it the the, the life shattering trauma way later um that's also why i feel like there is for me anyway i felt like there was an urgency for me to try to wrap my head around the idea of the diamond um i st- i mean yeah I, one of the things that happened when i was writing the book was um it was earlier in the, this year where I, I had like the bulk of my research done. I'd say I was like 80% there and I was, you know, chipping away at the book and it was kind of coming along. And then um, as I was updating my computer, I, I lost basically everything. Um, I still had like bits, bits of research here and there. Um, but I, I was left with that question of, you know, am I actually going to go for this? Am I actually going to write this book? Because if not, um, it's just been like mostly destroyed for me. And for me, that that was a, a not a very kind, but but a nudge from my diamond to just get you know get on with it and um and make it happen. Uh, so those nudges they're interesting, but um, I guess I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah. So what was your journey to uh, understanding your diamond through astrology, which is really the core praxis of the book? Would you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it takes up a third of the book where I'm really going into the the astrological um, techniques, um, though I do end on a whole section where it's like, these are techniques that you could use without astrology. Um, yeah, for, for me, okay, astrology was just a way in for me to explore the concept. Then I ran, you know, some of the uh, techniques on my chart. But I think the experiences that were most helpful for me was just putting this in context I was this is 2019 and I for some reason got the urge to um leave my flat and um just basically quit my life in the UK for a year to see if there was anywhere else in the world I wanted to live so I spent 2019 traveling thankfully got that out of my system before 2020 happened but I I I found that all of my goals that year so it was everything from um you know finding a new place to live but also like figuring out what I wanted to do um, business-wise because I wear a lot of different hats to do various things, but nothing was feeling that good at that time. And I hadn't actually started practicing astrology um, that much then. I was just kind of astro-curious, I guess, at that time. Um, Astro-curious. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a term on a dating profile, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. I sort of um, wish I hadn't said that now. But basically it, it ended up being an intensely, like, it wasn't fun. I love, tra- I mean, Sag Moon, I love to travel. Um, I felt just incredibly lonely um, and just had a lot of experiences internally where I was like, 
this isn't right. I'm not where I want to be in my life. I also experienced some really profound anxiety that I'd never had before. Like I'm a pretty like anxious person. Like everyone has, a, I think, general anxiety most of the time. But um, I had my first like panic attack at an astrology conference. And in that time and the weeks that followed, whenever I got this feeling like bubbling up inside me, I started to kind of picture it as, I just tried to picture it as anything. You know, what what does this feeling look like? And I started to see a, a little black and purple dragon. And to me, that I've started to understand that as the diamond in its like little beginning forms. Um, it's always been there with me, but this is the first time it was like showing itself to me. Um, and it was coming through this kind of sense of anxiety. And I don't want to like, I won't like just go into like a therapy session about this, but um, it was moments like that through difficult times um, that helped me make a lot of decisions over the course of the last couple of years. And ultimately it, it just, the whole experience, and this is also coinciding with a Saturn return. So I'll, you know, you can do with that what you will, but ultimately it feels like that process of um, working with the diamond and I can share some of my other practices for doing that um, has led to what I feel is much more so my path, which is practicing astrology and um, doing astrology readings. That's, that's basically my full-time, well, close to full-time job right now. So that wouldn't have happened. I don't think without my just, not just curiosity with the diamond, but also willingness to listen to it and do the, you know, do do the crazy things that it that it says. Um, yeah. Does that does that? Help? You got any fun examples of a of a crazy diamond whispering that you felt you had to do, and but even though it was crazy, I think I think a lot of it was stopping. So my previous podcast and everything that I've been doing up until um, I guess last year ish was the creative introvert. So this is my business that I built up since like 2015 around um, helping yeah, creative introverts get their work out into the world, which is one of the you know, first things that we were talking about here. It's like, I, I really don't want to do that marketing stuff anymore. And I don't want to spend all my time thinking about what is a, a pain-free way to market my work because maybe there isn't one. It's, it's possible that it's always going to be kind of painful for um, anyone who considers themselves to be a creative and, and actually anyone, like <laughs> most people don't like it. Um, yeah. So, and deciding to basically just go for it with astrology. Um, I, I've been studying um, formally with uh, uh, a Barber from Nightlight Astrology for the last couple of years. And, you know, combining that with just a hell of a lot of you know, dedication to astrology. I mean, that was kind of weird coming to astrology and saying, I'm going to do this full time when a few years prior, I was completely skeptical about it. Um, that to me felt like the diamond told me to do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. I mean, definitely uh, uh, a major life shift and, and the Saturn return definitely um, can uh, make sense that, I, I mean, a lot of people, so Frater Acker, the, mm. the German adept associates his diamond, I believe with Saturn. Uh, I haven't been able to read his book, Holy Diamond, because it's like, $300 for the soft cover because, you know, it's out of print or 
So a lot of these limited print run things are creating uh, books that people can't afford to get, which means we can't read the common literature that each other's reading and therefore can't participate in conversations and dialogues of, and learn from each other because we can't find the common sources um, for a lot of the new books coming out, which I find is a is sort of the problematic downside of some of these new occult publishers and their publishing mm -hmm. methods and the authors because it's like, well... If you have, if a book is so good and the ideas are so great, why do you not want everyone to hear them? Why do you only want 300 people ever or 500 yeah. people or a thousand to ever hear them? And no one else can hear them because there's no PDFs. No one's yeah. going to take photocopy. Page, no one's going to take pictures of every page of a 300 yeah. page book. And, and that's, that's all the copies there are and it's done. And I understand the appeal of like exclusive fine editions, especially like it's who doesn't want to have exclusive fine editions and pay $300 for leather. And that's fine if you want to do that, but it would be nice if the information for some of these guys was actually accessible and yeah. not just for the few. Uh, yeah. Who, yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, and one of the things with the diamond, which I was talking to, um, uh, author the other day, Marja Dao, who's written a book called Familiars and Witchcraft, who yeah, obviously talks about the diamond. Her whole thing is let's talk about this stuff. Like it's really important for her and it is for me to actually have these conversations. I want to know like what other people's experiences have been with the diamond. And I, I, as much as it's like a cool kind of sexy thing for this stuff to be hidden away and like, and literally a cult, um, I, I don't see the point anymore. I think we've kind of moved beyond that. And yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm all for like nice, beautiful bound copies, but let's also have the digital versions available at least. Um, yeah, or at yeah. least a soft cover. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, no, I mean, if you have to, if you have to charge 60 bucks for it, so be it, but it's, it's better than not having it available. And I, maybe I, maybe there are, there are those copies of this book out there. I don't know. I'm just sort of, complaining um <laughs> but uh frater Ocker, uh did associate it with saturn in his workings and a lot of people do it, there's there's a good argument to be made that saturn is a representative of, of of the holy guardian angel or the holy angel that agrippa talks about mm -hmm. especially in in saturn or Bina's rep, uh, relationship to malchut and the the kingdom and the bride of the microprosopus so those those ideas are are getting more popular again um and we're moving away from the sort of abramelin holy guardian angel um language to a large extent and one of the most interesting things that's come along is people arguing that the holy guardian angel is in fact something you can only get in touch with through the abramelin ritual which of course seems a little odd to a lot of people so that they say wait a minute and then others and they and they respond well, there's an angel that you get in touch with through this grimoire and it only through this grimoire, mm. right? And if you want to say that there's a specific spirit, there's a certain spell or ritual, or, you know, especially an 18 month long ritual gets you in touch with, I'm fine with that. It's like, there's a kind, certain kind of guide. There's a certain kind of guide you get with this ritual that you don't get with another ritual. Sure. Mm -hmm. I can accept that. That sort of makes sense. I, I, I tend to have a, when it comes to things like reincarnation and all of and the and the spirit realm, I tend to not have a very um, uh, linear view of it. I tend to think it's going to be um, more complex than our current science yeah. can understand, and current science is more complex than I can understand. <laughs> Therefore, 
I think none of us really have hit the nail on the head yet. And and why can't we all have been Cleopatra in past lives? Maybe our souls that get reborn each life are somehow fusions of multiple souls or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we're all we all share in the in the next realm. Maybe omniscience is to, is an assumption is an assumed taken for granted, and we all know all the lives that have lived, and that's just a natural state of that non-human consciousness that that we don't even can't even imagine taking for granted as a pre preliminary baseline for the reality after life after in this body. Right. But maybe that's the case. I certainly think with spirits, they're not as limited as we tend to perceive them to be. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think I felt like, Oh, I just have to park a lot of those ideas around Avramelin and, and these really elaborate rituals, which again, feel very like elitist in a way. Like I don't have a like mansion that I can go and practice this in. I don't have 18 months to take off work, but I, I do think that, um, like you said, if we um, just remember that, you know, Socrates didn't have to do some fucking crazy 18-month ritual to meet his diamond. And I'm not saying that, like, I, I've got the intuition of Socrates or the mind of Socrates, but it's like, I don't think the personal diamond, I think the personal diamond, f- for the reasons that I read in, like, Plato's concept of the diamond, let's say, the diamond has every desire to want to meet us. So I don't think it would require something so elaborate. And there's some weird, like punishing, you know, and I definitely think if anyone has a diamond that relates to Saturn in any way, they probably will want to do some really elaborate ritual to find that diamond. Um, cause, cause that's almost in the diamond's nature and the diamond will want that from you. I don't think so. I don't think that everyone has to go through that. And um, I, I do think it's just a matter of of wanting it and, and showing up for it and saying, yes, I will get quiet and pay attention and, and, and reflect on what's going on and, you know, learn from, you know, these weird events that happen, weird synchronicities, um, losing most of my book while I was writing it on the diamond, you know? So I think it's really just a matter of um, consciousness shift, not a not a, like eating raw eggs and at midnight and it, though I'm all for rituals I just I don't think it's necessary in this case for the personal diamond yeah I want to hear more about the raw egg midnight <laughs> ritual well, I'm, I'm in tell me about this ritual <laughs> yeah um, given the multiplicity of spirit guides and beings and spiritual creatures that a person can come into contact and the magicians often spend their time with it does seem a little odd to me that we would place particular ones on pedestals and take, mm-hmm. um, you know, generally we know spirits tend to, to like to lie or tell us what we want to hear because um, mm-hmm. they don't really understand our world too much. So they don't have the same uh, presumptions we do about, about certain things. Um, and I always thought if that's the case, why would we take these spirits words as, as, mm-hmm as you know solid advice but then distrust these other spirits and it makes me think that again all of these spirits together can can be seen as as uh, guides for for understanding our divine will um because whether they're trying to keep us on our path or knock us off our path they're still sort of there for our benefit right like the 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 hebrew bible's idea of of satan is is as the adversary who's working with god 
He works mm-hmm. with God to 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 gamble over Job's faith and life. I was hearing some fascinating new research coming out of um, some Dead Sea Scroll scholars that are uh, giving new insight on the Job story. Actually, very interesting stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, that that sounds fascinating. What do do you think the point of having spirits that we put on pedestals is and take a lot of advice and guidance from whether it's intuitive or explicit versus just the multiplicity of spiritual creatures that we can interact with through different means? Yeah. And and this is, I really love that point. And I think something that you were saying earlier about how like you're kind of like construct of like how things work, it's probably a lot more complicated than we think it is. And I personally have been, I've heard so many different, like even the Neoplatonists themselves would had different ideas about um, the structure of like the cosmos and, and the different hierarchies of diamonds and heroes and all of that. And I'm just like, it's, it's just some guy's way of trying to order things. And that's nice, but I, I can't help but think none of us know know exactly how this looks okay so that that aside same with the spirits i don't think we know um how that works i like the idea that they're all on some level um kind of like working for us um but ultimately for me the personal diamond i think the simplest way of for me grappling with it has been this idea that the um zoroastrian tradition had religion had which was you've kind of basically got like almost like a cartoon angel and a cartoon devil and that that you could see them as generally good spirits and generally bad spirits but they're not personal but then you've got the fravashi which is your kind of go-to guide for helping you steer between them and that 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 is like singularly the one that's kind of watching out for you and making sure that you are on your path I think it's just what a question. What was the word you said there? Uh, fravashi or fravashi. Okay. Yeah. New to um, me. Is that a yeah. Greek word? Um, Zoroastrian. This, uh, whatever. Hardcore. Is. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of, um, you know, rabbit hole that I ended up going down with this. And it was just one of the first instances of a, a guiding spirit. So not just like a guardian look after you, but something that is actually helping steer your soul and not give into the bad spirits, not give into the good ones, but just kind of do you basically. Um, And to me, that's what the personal diamond is. Um, Could could you say, well, that's just your own, like, you know, is that your higher self? Is is that just your own like um, divine mind, your own like mental like faculty or connection to the divine mind? Um, Maybe. (laughs) that's kind of the point of the book was me sort of trying to explore those different possibilities um i explore the issue of like the the sort of i and thou the 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 complexity of of that liminal barrier that may not be as real as it it seems in this world um i wish it i don't know i don't think it sounded like that when i wrote it i don't think it sounded that um clever basically oh well um but but one of the one of the i do have a section on um the this like this possible like psychological de- dimension of it um and it was just a way for me to appease some of my skeptic friends who were like you know couldn't this be just your mind and i was like yeah i guess it could and and here's you know some support for that um here's also why 
I like to personify my diamond as a fox-headed fawn. Well, I like that. I, I sort of am wishing my diamond was like a dragon now or something mythological <laughs> and cool. Everyone I could tr- I could trade up from an angel. Um, <laughs> oh man, Edane McCoy back in the early nineties. My one of my buddies, my Wicked Coven, bought that dragon magic book by her and. And I thought it was very hokey, but at the same time, I'm like, why not? Why not just work with dragon spirits? You can just do that. And because essentially the book seemed to just rename a bunch of Wiccan stuff with dragon names, <laughs> like in a very simple way, like in like a search and replace almost. Um, but I also think, you know, yeah, I'm very into fairy spirits and elemental spirits and Enochian angels, and they all seem very similar to me in their behavior. Um, especially the very chthonic and ones, the ones that exist in that sort of middle realm between that manifest reality. Um, and they seem very similar in their attitude and behavior to the the little creator spirits in the DMT realms as well. Yes. Yeah. And and, and like even um like UFOs, is that that's not even what people call them anymore. But basically, I just saw a video of some UFOs in Michigan just the other night. Some you know, they're they're posting videos all the time. All and, place and, and, and there are all these dots of light. And I'm like looking at it and the, it's a family video with little kids saying what's going on. And when they realize the adults don't know, they start to sort of freak out a little bit. And then you hear the adults feel like, Jesus Christ, like, look, it's just a bunch of these. It's, it's not. So like, and then they fade away sometimes. Are they, are they just, are they coming from another dimension or are they spirits mm-hmm. manifesting in some sort of crazy vehicles? I, uh, I don't know. Well, and also this is something that I've been, I was grappling with this year because I don't find it a stretch. And I think most, a lot of people now aren't finding it a stretch to be like, okay, something's going on in the sky that, you know, that isn't of this earth um, or we don't think, or maybe it is, but it's all like, you know, where, where is it coming from? Why, why are they camped in a different area than like talk of fairies and elemental beings? It's like, to me, they're all existing in the same reality because I, I i do think it's all a reality a great book that kind of asks those questions and kind of posits that like everything's everything's a diamond on some level not a personal diamond but a diamond um it's a book called diamonic reality by patrick harper and that was really like it's just a fun romp through all different kinds of like weird phenomena um and saying like you know the kind of fairy reality isn't so different from the ufo reality uh we've just kind of like we just imagine different things like like culture has taught us that a ufo film wouldn't have little cute fairies in it or even malevolent fairies it's it's just like we've kept those genres separate does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah but, but they're not separate yeah no it's it's a to me this is a very fascinating point actually i mean the way that we have we use scientism to to um uh, parse and separate things Mm -hmm. that really seem like they should be considered together um in a in a in a serious way um i mean we're, we're starting to make progress you see that in the in the realm of of psychedelics and entheogens and and ritual and 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 many people, of course, have leapt into the alien space from there and, and, and seen those two as, as one and the same thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. But only recently did we have, you know, the mighty U.S. government come out and de- declare to us, uh, us poor plebs in, in Canada and in Britain, I guess now, mm-hmm. <laughs> that they don't actually know what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. So whether we believe them or not, mm-hmm. I think it's likely that they don't know what's going on um, at this point, um, which is is fascinating. It makes me think of the placebo effect. Um, I was talking with a friend over dinner last night. We were, I was talking about some of the work that Solomonic and other grimoires magicians are doing on healing people with serious diseases. And my friend, of course, being a, a technical scientific person, she said, um, yeah, but how can you tell the difference between that and just the people who s- seem suddenly do recover from cancer or stuff like that, which is a percentage of people. So how do you know you're not just correlating that? Plus the, she said, then she said, plus the placebo effect, that's a real thing. It's like 51%. And it's just a way that we recover from things because we think we should. I'm like, that's magic. Yeah, and she yeah. was like, she was like, no, it's the placebo effect. That is a scientism name that's yeah. been used to label. It's like, oh, there's something about human beings that allows us to heal extremely well and just from us thinking that we should be healed from being convinced that we took the right pill or did the right spell or uh, you know stopped quitting stopped smoking or whatever and therefore we should be well and so we get a lot better um and the 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 appropriation of that by science under the term placebo effect to me seems like a heresy it's like, okay, so for all of history, people have been doing healing and found that it really was effective. And now you're saying, no, that is just a process that naturally occurs through human beings that science doesn't understand. And its name is the placebo effect. It's ours now. And you can't like, use it anymore. Like and what it, you're describing is, is magical. And calling it, putting it under the science category, it's like, well, now you're changing science. Yeah, like they're just changing science, and it's like, okay, if you if you want science to be um, a religion or like just as magical as you think our stuff is, go for it. It's yeah, I, don't, but yeah. I know what you mean. I, By all means, equivocate yeah. terms as loosely as us New Agers, so, <laughs> right, right, and right. now we're all in the same nutty boat. <laughs> yeah. that's it. Yeah. Well, that's the that's an interesting thing actually. When science becomes the gatekeeper to spirituality. Um, because it's already the gatekeeper of truth. And if it wants to gatekeep spirituality by creating terms for things that it defines as not understanding, yeah, we're in a we're in a we're in a strange landscape these days. Although of course we don't have to, I just realized that our very the very nature of this this topic um is so so uh, so on a, the you know tips of everyone's tongues these days mm-hmm. with the the global crisis right so the issues of questioning science is so hot um yeah. it's a it's a little frightening i mean even when you have you have scientists contradicting themselves one day to another and you're like wait you are you literally making this up as you go along or being con- persuaded to say what you're saying because of politics or money or power or what totalitarians or whatever it is um and and like science from all angles kind of being taboo like i was just I was watching a Russell Brand video earlier today about um, this guy. I think he was like the CEO of the company Sweetgreens, which maybe you know, of. I, I, it's not in the UK, um, saying how um, like, oh, we, we should put like a, a ban on sugar and stuff because so many of the the really bad COVID cases are related to um, people being like obese and stuff. And now he's been kind of like shamed or like, so he's been like told off of like fat shaming basically. Um, but the question is like, we can't look at science now. We can't cause, cause, cause we might offend, we might offend someone. So 
Um, it's an yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah, here, I mean, here we have uh, peop- them, they're calling to, to not admit um, fat people to the hospital anymore. That's what they're oh. calling for. And to, to not treat them for COVID if they get it because they don't deserve it because they're fat. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also, but we also have like Rutgers University, which I, you've probably heard of, right? They, they've extended their uh, vaccine mandate to not only cover students who come to classes, but also Zoom students. So if you're not vaccinated and you've just paid your tuition to Rutgers, you can't, you can't attend you. Zoom classes because you're not vaccinated. Well, science, science <laughs> it does. It, it's, it's a confusing time. I thought yeah. the Neoplatonists were confusing me, but I think just the world today is. Oh, I love that. I um, love that modern science has gotten to the point where Neoplatonism it's, might it's make more sense. sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've like, oh, really enjoyed this chat. It's it's getting late over here, so I probably yes. go to bed. <laughs> well, tell could, people a little bit about uh, all your places and where to find you, and maybe any last advice you have for uh, their astrology search, astrological search for their personal diamond. Yes, absolutely. So you can find me at catriseastrology.com and that's where all my stuff is. And um, there'll be a link to the Kickstarter. Uh, so you can support the book if, if you choose to do that. Um, in terms of the astrology, I definitely think looking at, if you, if you have your birth chart, definitely look at the 11th house and the 12th house in your charts. And um, like I said, reflect on some of those experiences. People in your life who have, you know, you've had positive experiences with, even the negative ones. And, um, and you might be able to spot some patterns in there and that will basically could sh- show you a little bit more about the path that your diamond is, is nudging you on. Um, yeah, I go into this in the book. I go into three other astrology techniques as well. So if you yeah. want more people buy the book, <laughs> sorry, I, I feel like we've just been talking no, about leaders, I wish I had more time to go into. No, uh, that's perfect. That. That's, that's great. That's, I think we've told, I think I have a very clear idea about what the, the book is about now and and I know you sent me a link so I could check it out but I I tend to like my podcast that I find the most fun podcasts are the more exploratory ones mm-hmm. where the person tells me about it because if you if the if you can get me interested in what you've done then other people will probably be interested in what you've done um yes. and so and I and I think it is very interesting I'm very curious to to see what you've the kind of map you've laid out using a bit of Hellenistic astrology and mm-hmm. a ver- variety of things. It sounds like to to suss this out because it's an interesting question, especially between the theories and the experience. I think we have a lot more to to yeah. say on that, and uh, that's why I'm really glad you had a chance to come on the Arnamancy podcast with me, Reverend Eric. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for calling me up on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Yeah, go on. Tell them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you got me confused with with my buddy Reverend Eric down in Portland. This is first. what happens when you're sending far too many emails in one day, and I apologize for that. I only made you wait a, wait a week to respond before, <laughs> as punishment. Very um, graciously, thank you. No, no, it's it's cool. I'm very glad you did find me. And uh, are you going to do Eric's podcast? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. that, that's coming up. I didn't yeah. get. I didn't call him Fraser RC, so maybe that's <laughs> that was. The, <laughs> the mutual he's a he's a fun guy i really like him i uh hope the border opens up so i can go visit portland and seattle soon yeah. see all my homies there yeah cat thank you so much it's really great to talk to england and brighton i i've always wanted to visit brighton because it's on the beach right yeah and it's fun we have some like it's it's a little bit more um a new agey than the rest of england other than glastonbury yeah there's a few authors who live there and near there that i've always wanted to visit um 
Yeah. And maybe I'll get a chance to you when I get back to Rochester and pick up my luggage mm-hmm. there. Um, so yeah, <laughs> hopefully I'll see you in England one day, my friend. Yeah, likewise. All right. Have Take a wonderful care. evening. Thank you. Take care. Peace. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk